today, friends. Welcome to Wednesday, August 24th. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Enough for Today. We're on, we're in Psalm 58, and it is an unusual psalm, but I want to give you kind of a high view of this. Have you ever felt, um, have you ever daydreamed about God just sweeping the planet with justice and righteousness? I'm not talking about, obviously, uh, the broader uh, humanity that is you know, needing desperate hope in the gospel. I'm not talking about sweeping them away, but uh, the power, uh, the authorities of governing, of corrupt governing authorities. Think of the oppression. Uh, I'm not just talking about here in America because we have it pretty good, but really all over the country, there is despotism and um, tyranny and dictatorial uh leadership that is oppressive and corrupt. I mean, frankly, there's many countries where the poverty is rampant and hunger is rampant because the government is corrupt. It's not that there's not enough resources. It's that those in power are corrupt and are oppressing the people. It's common. It happens all over the world and it has for centuries, for millennia, okay? Oppressive power is like standard fare for fallen planet Earth. And have you ever just daydreamed about God sweeping through and wiping out all that oppressive power, all that tyrannical wickedness, so that people can turn to God and be ruled by Him? Well, that's what we long for, the kingdom of Jesus. We know He's going to be a shepherd king, okay? In terms of being a king, He's going to rule justly but without oppressing. He's not going to be authoritarian. He's not going to need to use his power to oppress us or to lift up himself. He's going to be a shepherd as well. And that's the tender, gentle expression of provision and care. And usually those things don't go together. You don't think of shepherds being kings. You don't think of kings condescending to be shepherds. They are just a little bit diametrically opposed uh, functionally in our minds, but Jesus brings the two together. He brings loving leadership, rulership with gentle care, and they're one and the same uh, in the personality and the person of Jesus. Well, David is dreaming forward. He's He is uh, musing a bit and thinking a bit. He's meditating on the corruption around him, whether that's from Saul or whether that's what he inherited after Saul. But he is asking God to sweep in and clean house, okay? He's asking God to root out the corruption. So with that in mind, let's read this together. And we'll go down through verse uh, probably um, verse 9, actually, because I think we got up to 3 or so yesterday. And this is kind of one metaphor that's unpacked different ways. So he says, do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do you judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? It's a rhetorical question. He's going to indict the corruption. And by the way, we need to take this not only at a global level and a worldview, but we need to take it at a personal level. Do I speak righteousness but think uh, wickedly and act wickedly in my heart? Is my life duplicitous? These were people that were speaking, attempting, or pretending to speak righteous, but um, they were unjust. They were oppressors. Verse 2, yea, in the heart you work wickedness. You weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. 
Now he's going to describe the, the condition. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. That's all of us, right? We all are sinners. But he's talking about a specific kind of person that rejects the grace and forgiveness and mercy of God and continues down this path, okay? They're born lying. Verse 4, what do they become? Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They're like, so they they're, they, they, they grow up uh, with evil of their hearts being consummated fully into their lifestyle. And they're as common with, with speaking lies as, as poisonous serpents are with spitting venom, okay? It's just what they do. It, it is their um, quality of life. So they're like snakes that, that, that spit venom. What else are they like? They're like the deaf adder that stops her ears. This is a cobra, okay, that refuses to listen. Verse 5, which will not hearken to the voice of the charmers, charming never so wisely. So no matter how, uh, how they're taught, no matter how they're instructed, uh, no matter how charming, frankly, God is, they've stopped their ears and they reject Okay, they reject instruction. They will not be directed uh, by any charming voice. Uh, primarily the reference there is they, they reject the truth of God. Okay, they're like deaf snakes that won't listen and won't respond. What does David then pray? Verse 6, break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. It's a metaphor. He's saying uh, de- defang them. Okay. Um, take take the poisonous fangs out of the snake. Break off the teeth of the lion so that he's powerless. All he can do is gum, gum his prey. It's the lion's claws and the lion's teeth that make him formidable or destructive. So uh, David's praying, God, uh, take away their power. Take away their ability to work their wickedness. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. Think of when you lay out your garden hose in your grass and maybe you leave it on for a few minutes. The water just runs down and is drank up by the dry earth. And pretty soon it's as though you didn't have any water on. Uh, It rained hard yesterday, the day before here in Connecticut. Hard, lots of water. And we'll wake up today and pretty much that water will have been uh, run off and, and it, it won't be visible. So David's saying, let them be as temporary as that water that just is, is absorbed in dry earth or runs off into, uh, into uh, it's away, it's gone, okay? So break their teeth, take away their power. Let them melt away as water, which, which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, so their tactics, their strategies, their efforts to do wrong, um, Let them be as cut in pieces. Uh, Take apart their strategies. Uh, Make their efforts of no use. Cause their their work to fail, okay? And let's pause here for a minute and and just meditate on this idea, my friend. Do you get paranoid about what what, what people are up to? You you know, oh no, the the government's doing this now and the president's doing this. and, and, And I mean, do you get worried about their plans? Uh, their counsels, their their strategies, their agendas, you know, they only can go as far as God permits them. And there is this moment of grace and mercy on planet Earth where God is permitting sin to go, but not unrestrained. And not only will he intervene, he is intervening. He is restraining. 
So I can be confident of the fact that um, if God doesn't want their arrow to hit its mark, he can chop it down. He can disrupt it. He can catch it in mid-flight. Verse 8, as the snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away, like the untimely birth of a woman uh, that may not see the sun. So two, two more metaphors. David's just stringing metaphor after metaphor. God, do this to the oppressive uh, uh, governing powers, the oppressive influencers on planet Earth, like a snail melting away. Okay, I don't know if you were a ki- when you were a kid if you ever did this. We did this when I was kids, and I hope you won't think I'm, I'm purely uh, um, cruel to animals. But we would somebody told us that if you put salt on a snail, it will shrivel up. And boy, we'd watch that happen. We would do that uh, as kids uh, and watch those snails just 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 shrivel up and and melt away, just essentially die away. David's using that picture of a snail melting away. Then he uses the picture of a stillborn child that never sees the sun, a child that has no life. God, God, take away their ability to have any influence. Take away their presence. Remove them. Sweep through with sweeping justice and judgment and nullify the effect. David was burdened as he became king that his government would become a government of... of um, of righteousness and goodness. He wanted a good governance. He wanted to be a good king. He wanted to lead his nation properly. He did not want to exploit his people or to oppress his people. And that's the shepherd heart of David coming through. Now, even David made his mistakes. Um, But Jesus is the perfect ideal of what David was just uh, the beginning reflection of, the shepherd king. So, Verse 9, we'll we'll end here. Before your pots can feel the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. So just the picture here is that they would would bake pots uh, in ancient Israel. They would bake clay pots over fire to harden those pots. And often they would cook things over fires made out of these thorns. These thorns are the same thorns that are referenced uh, in the crown of Jesus, okay, the, the, the crown of thorns. Um, and so a fire of thorns would burn brightly and quickly and heat up these pots, okay. And so he's just using the metaphor, before the pot can feel the heat of the thorns, God, God's judgment is going to be that fast, Okay. A modern uh, vernacular metaphor might be um, before the metal can feel the torch of the welder, uh, before it can melt, um, before the tip of the match can be fully struck and consumed, before a sparkler can burn all the way down. uh, It's going to be rapid intervention by God himself. So my friends, I've taken a little too much time this morning, forgive me. But we've covered a lot of ground in this psalm, and we've, we've uncovered the idea that when David looks at oppressors, he cries out to God and says, God, they're in your hands. You restrain, and in your time, you sweep away and bring justice. And he will. So take hope today, my friend, and live, a, live your life in joy. Happy Wednesday. Hope to see you tonight. If not, we'll see you tomorrow.